This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Anand Venegala, and I will be your host for the Letter of Liberty podcast, where we welcome guests to discuss literature, liberty, politics, news, and potentially all that is under the sun. Our guest for today is Jamie Lely Kozi. She is a senior forensic science student at LIU Post, and she'll be with me to discuss several issues pertaining to LIU Post and various other concerns that students have raised, including herself. So I'm ha- very happy to welcome Jamie Lely Kozi. Hello. So please tell uh, tell us, our listeners, a little about your past and why you came here to post. Um, as you said, I'm a senior forensic science major, and over the last two years or so, um, first it started with the academics. Um, my classes began to get canceled because uh, laboratory equipment wasn't working, and, you know, it happens and to replace equipment is expensive so but I haven't seen no progression and then recently this semester uh, like multiple classes of mine have been canceled due to instruments not working and my tuition keeps going up and with the new um, 18 credit cap uh, I decided that enough is enough that I should be getting the education I'm paying for. And that's when it all started. So nice. When you came here to post, how did you feel at the first two years before you started noticing these issues? Oh, I was so excited to come to post. Um, It was one of the only schools that offered a forensic science program in the area. Um, It's a beautiful campus. Um, The professors said um, they've had experience in forensic science for multiple years and it just seemed like the place to me when I came here they showed me the laboratories and said they were state-of-the-art and they had all this brand new equipment and then I was so proud to be a pioneer that I used to like walk around I would always be in post gear I was on student government I was on the commuter student association I was in the forensic science club very active on campus, so I was very happy to be here. And then it started changing around like the second year or so when things derailed for you. Yeah, um, starting my junior year is kind of when like I noticed that um, maybe I'm not getting the education I really thought I like that I was expecting I would have. And then, um, like I said, laboratory equipment, labs were getting canceled or um, kits that the laboratory buys wasn't working and you know I said I thought initially initially like you know that's expected you know so many students use this equipment every day and it will probably wear out with use and so stuff can be done to address it it's not like it's like a bad problem right but this year um and last semester so this year uh multiple labs like week after week after week, labs were getting canceled and postponed because the equipment wasn't working. Wow. And my tuition keeps going up. So if like I feel like my I should be getting the education that I'm paying for and no one's reimbursing me for 
missing laboratories that I can't have because my instruments don't work. And of course, this can have adverse effects potentially on when you graduate, right? Yeah. You are graduating this semester, right? Yes. Okay. And with the 18 credit cap, I'm going to explain for my listeners that a recent policy was instituted that if a student took more than 18 credits in the semester of fall 2018, he will be charged, he or she will be charged $1,000 more. Am I right? Per, per credit. credit. Yeah. Well, so if you like took a three credit course, you'd be charged $3,000 extra or a four credit course as some courses are of that nature. That would be $4,000 extra. I mean. Yeah. And in science, in my department, there are a lot of you have to take a lot of four credit classes because a lot of the classes require a laboratory. And so the so that's basically a three credit main course plus an extra one credit laboratory, which yes, which I, mine are getting canceled all the time. Wow. So I pay for that credit, but they're getting canceled because equipment doesn't work. So, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about the forensic science major that you chose? It what appealed to you about it? So one thing that appealed to me was the experience the administrators had. Um, the director had advised when I came to look at the school that he had worked for the NYPD crime scene department, that he had connections, and that they currently had a professor who works for, who's the director of the Nassau County Crime Lab, and that um, they had connections there, and that they've um, gotten students employed in many other um, crime scene departments and other positions of that nature. That's what first attracted me because I said, okay, great, they have the connections. I shouldn't be worried about internships, job positions, because it's all about networking. So I was like, great. So they say. Yes. And then um, another thing that attracted me was the state-of-the-art labs. They, you know, I was a senior in high school. I've never been in a forensics laboratory, so I wasn't sure. I've never worked with forensic instruments. And their explanation was that these are top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art instruments that we use every day and that students become familiar with. And those were two main reasons why I joined the program. But then the reason why I chose Post over John Jay or any other city school was for the campus and the campus life. Yeah, and I agree. The campus is generally well-maintained, except for the part where they have all those bees during the warmer seasons. My sister doesn't like bees, and I, if she were going to apply to colleges at all, I don't think she would like it here very much for that alone. I mean, forgive, forgive me, listeners, for including that personal bit, but let's go on. So were there any other things you considered besides forensic science? Criminal justice, um, chemistry, biology... They're all kind of like related to each other, but forensic science is what I really wanted to do, and I thought that would be um, the best option for me. Okay. So if you want to go into forensic science, into a career about that, what would you hope to do? What would be your ideal job like? Um, so originally I wanted to be a medical examiner um, since middle school. That's what I knew I wanted to do. And up until this summer, when I did my internship, uh, I discovered that that might not be the path for me. So now, 
I'm not really sure what I want to do. It's definitely in forensic science. I'm not sure if I want to go into forensic biology or forensic chemistry or um, what's another one that I was thinking of? Firearms and tool mark analysis. So, but it, it's very competitive out in the job market and they want a lot of experience that I don't think I quite have yet. So really I'll just take whatever I can get my hands on first. Because the equipment was not updated as much as it needed to be, and so you were denied that experience throughout here. And if you had the choice to transfer, would you have considered doing that? Uh, absolutely. Every day I think about what would have happened or what could have been if I transferred to another school. Like a city school, be um, it a private or a public university? It wouldn't matter if it was public or private. I think I would look more into the reputation of the university and Every like there's um, a forensic school down in Tennessee and they have what's called the body farm and they do um, experiments and they watch um, how bodies decompose in different kind of elements. And the students there like help research, help do the research. So I definitely regret not looking further into that school and definitely holding back my application to go there. Fascinating. And so what advice would you have for students, either high school students or college students, or even college students who have graduated based off your own life experience? Um, don't do something because you think it's better for everyone else. Do it because it makes you happy, because it's what you want to do, and don't hold back. Yeah, so... Do you want to talk about any of the issues that have pertained to the university besides just the forensic science, like any of the larger administrative issues, including some of the higher up cases or problems that you have noticed? Um, yeah, sure. So while trying to fix my issue of the instruments not working, I've spoken to many people um, that's part of the administration. I spoke to Campus Life. I've spoken to some people in my department, higher-ups in my department. And when I go to voice my opinion, I feel like I go and I face lashback. Or lashback or backlash, is it called? Backlash, backlash, sorry. Um, so I face backlash, and to me that's discouraging because that's what's preventing other students from coming and voicing their opinions. So would you care to explain what forms this backlash took? Um, yeah, so when I had wrote, uh, when I had given an interview for the Pioneer newspaper, I spoke about the instruments not working. And a couple days later, my the head of my department came up to me and had told me that I embarrassed the administration. And I didn't feel like I did. I didn't attack them. I didn't mention them. I didn't say it was their fault. But he came up to me. He came up to me and said I had embarrassed him and his staff, which wasn't my intentions. My intention was to get new instruments that work so I can have experience using them so that I can get an internship later and on. And so they won't be embarrassed in the long run when it does come out more often that their instruments weren't working and that this has been a problem for a long time. And I don't see a good reason why they would begrudge you for that. And 
I think you've mentioned elsewhere that you noticed allegations that LIU Post was apparently trying to be a D1 school. For my listeners, the NCAA's Division I is the highest level of intercollegiate athletics sanctioned by the National Collegiate Athletic Association. The D1 schools include the major collegiate athletic powers with larger budgets, more elaborate facilities, and more athletic scholarships than Divisions 2 and 3, as well as many smaller schools committed to the highest level of intercollegiate competition. And so how do you think sports are faring into some of the administrative decisions? Because sometimes I've noticed that a lot of people, including families, care about sports more than academics or other things. And from what I've heard, that there are some families like alumni at LAU Post, from LAU Post who would fund the school only for athletics. Um, don't get me wrong. I think athletics are important. I was always an athlete. But I think there has to be an balance between academics and athletics um it's i understand we do have athletes and you know a lot of them want to become professional athletes and whatnot but there's also students who aren't athletes and like to see them to see so much spending going into new athletic facilities while my department's crumbling i don't think it's fair because i mean i don't go to the prep very often but we had a tennis court, for example, and we just spent $5 million on a tennis club. But meanwhile, I can't afford, they apparently can't afford instruments for the chemistry department, which, I don't know, when I apply to a job, they're not going to ask me whether I enjoyed playing on the tennis court. Or whether you were the all-star tennis player or whatnot, whatever title they can give you. They're going to ask, do you, do you know how to use the equipment and will you be able to use it in these situations? Yes, but they'll, I mean, I think definitely being an athlete makes your application stand out. It shows that you can do other things besides academics and studying. So it's definitely important, but I. it's also important to have the educational background to excel in your job position. Yeah. You know, I'm saying like there should be a balance, but I feel like there currently the school is putting more funding into athletics while the academics is sort of suffering. And one argument I could at least anticipate is a lot of cases in academics where students are majoring in things and they don't get good jobs afterward, whereas with athletics you could at least see some more profitable potential from that. That's at least the argument and we also see the argument that more people might come to games and be involved in the whole athletic scenes because a lot of people like to watch college sports, as far as I know, except for professional sports. I think college sports might be some of the most watched stuff out there. Am I right? College sports, yes, but I don't know if our sports would become more popular in our school if we were D1 because hardly anyone comes to our games now. So I don't think becoming a D1 school is going to make such a difference of more students coming out to see the games. You think it might be just useless or counterproductive, am I right? Um, Currently, for now, yes. Uh, If we were to build up our academics and strengthen those programs and then maybe focus on the athletics, but right now I feel like athletics is everything and... Students like me working in the laboratory are a little bit at a disadvantage because 
like I said, I don't have instruments to work on. I wonder how you perceive the way in which athletics seems to impact the social scene on the university. Do you notice anything in which athletics seem to be more popular among students, or at least more respected in a sense in the social hierarchy than non-athletics? Or um, I believe they're higher up on the social hierarchy. I think students are definitely... Um, wary of athletic students um, in the sense that they're not going to speak up against them and you know if they face issues they're not going to go against the athletic department the athletic team and you know I think as a non-athletic student I don't go into the fishbowl or common areas where they hang out yeah they're probably dominated by fraternities, sororities, and athletics, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so on a side note for my listeners, I'm running for the vice president of the student government, and some of the people who are also running have, will probably have Greek life backing, so I have to take that into account. That's just a digression. I'll move back to the main issue. When you said that athletics has a kind of immunity against people speaking out, what are some of the cases? Would you care to speak up on these issues? Yeah, I think students are definitely afraid to speak up against the athletic department. Um, I know somebody very close to me um, had an experience where uh, her scholarship was taken away because of alleged incidents. There was no proof of them. Um, and when she went to go to a meeting, they just... They had no proof. My mother had asked for um, complaints, public safety reports, nothing. They just went based off of what a few girls said, and they took her scholarship away. Wow. So she's still here at the university? or Yes. But she And is... she, when they went to that meeting, um, my, uh, the person said it never happened, that you know, to leave it alone, to drop it, that she wow. didn't want any problems. And and the person tells me now that she's uncomfortable walking around wow. in the Pratt. Would you care to specify at least a, the general nature of what was happening? Like, what was the offense? Um, just for a couple things she was doing around campus. Um, or was inappropriate alleged? behavior. On her part, or was alleged? Um, the alleged what they had said her they said that they had kicked her off the team and had taken away her scholarship because of alleged inappropriate behavior and when my when the person said well do you have any reports do you have any public safety um, complaints or anything they didn't have anything do you think it's appropriate to name names or no um for who the student or yeah, the department the student. um i'm not sure if she would be comfortable fair point with me. Yeah. And some of the issues I've heard allegedly that sexual assaults or rapes were getting unreported or charges are being dropped because of issues with athletic backlash. Yeah. So um, that's like an issue I've heard of recently. I never thought our campus was unsafe um, because I've never experienced any problems. And 
I've never heard anything, but recently I've had a pe- like a few of my friends and I were talking and they like told me all these things that were going on and I was horrified when I found wow. out what was going on. And now I'm like, I'm uncomfortable to walk by myself on campus, especially cause I have one class that gets out at 10 o'clock at night and to wow. walk to the student parking lot in the back of Pell, I'm not that comfortable now knowing what I know. And so the SGA, the student government, has tried to find ways to address this, whether it be modifications to the way side door access is dealt with, because sometimes students prop up the side doors, and that can be a problem because some people might Mm -hmm. come in and out undetected. And so we've been trying to work something out with that. But I don't know entirely how it will all work out. It doesn't matter because some of the students that I heard had... Uh, like assaulted people are still on campus. So it doesn't matter whether you put a side lock on the door or you put a security security guard. These people are already in the dorms, in their rooms. So that's not preventing anything. And I can understand why students, especially female students, but I'm not saying it doesn't happen to male students, but female students feel uncomfortable walking around campus because these people that assaulted them are still on campus. And apparently the people who assaulted them don't apparently seem to show much regret or remorse for what they did. Uh, I don't know personally the person that was accused of the assault, but I don't see anybody taking this seriously. I mean, he's still in classes, and apparently the football team was fighting to keep him on the team, which I don't think... I think that shows that the school doesn't care or doesn't defend the rights of other students and they're encouraging this kind of behavior, which to me is unacceptable. Or or a better word I think would be enabling. Enabling, yeah. And I recently attended a town hall and I remember the head of the public safety department speaking that in a sense we're one of the safest departments because safest universities because we haven't had stranger rape or similar things. But I think some of the other things have happened where rapes have happened between people who knew each other in some way. And I would actually think that would be worse because broken trust, betrayals, etc. You get the point. Yeah, it's, it's just that it probably happens more frequently because people know each other and people are afraid to report it because... It's between acquaintances, you know, whereas if somebody didn't know the person and wasn't worried about embarrassing the person or worried about taking away their future or their scholarship or their education, it would like that like that hampers them from reporting it. Can they actually lose their scholarship for real? I mean, if you're if you're accused of assault, yeah, um, they're supposed to. Like, if you're accused and they find you guilty, they can take away your scholarship and they can actually throw you off campus. But some of the people who actually have done wrong are still on campus, as you've noted. Whereas someone was accused of it, and we don't know if she was guilty, but she lost a scholarship anyway. Yes. Wow, that's 
not a very good sign in my humble opinion. So what do you think we can do to deal with these issues? Um, for one, I don't think they should tolerate that kind of behavior at all. I mean, if this student is sitting in classes, like you said, it, it makes posts look like they enable or encourage this kind of behavior, whereas if you told the student you can no longer attend classes here, students would take that kind of stuff more seriously, saying, you know, do I really want to jeopardize my education, my tuition that I've t paid here, you know, something that'll be on my record the rest of my life. Whereas watching these videos on sexual assault and take back the night, they're obviously not working because it still occurs. Yeah, and in one of the Take Back the Nights event I have attended, I've noted that one of, these, one of these incidents did happen at a party at night where one of them was taken advantage of, and apparently, I don't know the finer details about this, but that happened on this campus. And as I've known, some of these people have come to the university with hi these histories in the background. And what I've noted is that many of these rapes seem to be unreported, or at least there was no record or acknowledgement of any criminal reports. Because it's students are embarrassed. They, when you go to um, like these seminars or lectures about sexual assault victims, a lot of them will tell you they weren't comfortable to come out at first, or they're still not comfortable to talk about what happened to them. So yeah, a lot of them do go unreported, or they feel pressured, possibly by people in the administration, to drop the charges because they're the best athlete, because the team needs them, or because this We don't want to look bad. Right. And so they feel pressured to not do anything about it, or they're embarrassed to say anything that that happens to them, or that they let that happen, or that it's their fault. So, Or or in some of the more extreme cases, what were you wearing? What were you doing? Were you going right, out? Blah, 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 that blah, they'll blah. get judged instead of the person that actually did it. And so that's why I feel that a lot of these things go unreported, and that in their defense that they say, well, we didn't know about it because it wasn't written down, but students are afraid. And you can see in the newspaper how afraid students are is that there's someone posting anonymous letters about things going on this campus. Someone's clearly not A poet named Queen Mab, who I've read on this show at least before, and she wrote a poem about the tuition plan, I do not like the new tuition plan, which is to the tune of I do not like green eggs and ham, I do not like it, Sam, I am. But I think and, it just shows that students are afraid to talk to anybody on campus. Yeah. And sometimes I've worked as a senator at large and sometimes I've asked, are there any issues you want to report? And they say, no, everything's fine and everything's okay. Maybe it's okay for them, but I wonder if what you're saying is true that in fact there are indeed issues, but they don't know how to say it or it doesn't affect them or they're probably just going on their lives and too busy to think about them or the most extreme scenario is they may be part of the problem. I've asked students to come forward with me and like announce these problems and when I have the students responses are no I'm uncomfortable what if um, what if they prevent me from graduating what if they make a mistake on uh, making my programs or what if they like a deliberate mistake yeah what if they increase my tuition and I tried to explain to them that they can't do that but students are still afraid especially with the backlash that I've been getting like I talk to my friends I tell them what happens and they're afraid that 
this this will happen to them and a lot of them are not as you know fearless as i am or as i would say i am a lot of them worry about um things that like what will the professor think of me will they change my grades because of this so yeah like they can't do it but there is a real possibility so to speak that it may be done in some way or another yeah they fear that so, like they'll have to pay consequences for the actions they take against things that are going on here so when you mentioned that you consider yourself fearless was there a point when you weren't as fearless or were you always this way in some form or another um no i was very um conservative i guess i would say with my freshman and sophomore year like i didn't like saying much you know i didn't like stepping on people's toes sometimes i would go the long way about things like trying to like make sure i hurt nobody's feelings but enough's enough like this is my education i'm paying a lot of money to come here and i don't think they're providing the adequate resources that i need to do well in the future and i don't take like playing with education lightly education to me is so important especially because Agreed. people people around the world don't have the same educational systems that we have that they don't have the same educational opportunities that we have so when it comes to education now i don't play around Okay, and so you've now spoken out because you've decided you can't take it anymore and enough's enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to speak a bit about my experience. I haven't been as radical on campus as you have, but at the same radical is not a bad thing. I'm just mm-hmm. going to let my listeners know. But the first news story I did, the first real news story I did for the Pioneer newspaper was on a professor named Veronica Delar who spent 6 years about that time doing her work here for the university and she did not get her tuition and I decided to take it cuz it would be an interesting story and I had to speak to a lot of people and a lot of them said there was no good reason she was denied her tenure and she did all the work she did everything anyone could do and she still did not get it she was an economics mm-hmm. professor and a lot of people have said good words about her and her efforts here and they felt that they lost something as a result of her departure she's now at SUNY Old Westbury and i guess that was my first foray into some kind of speaking out through the news and one of the most recent stories i did was on the state of the university cancel address cancellation and i reported the voice of one of the people who noted that this address was canceled and may have had something to do with the 18 credit plus issue Yeah, I read I read both articles in that they were uh that apparent that it might have been because President Klein was afraid of protesters coming to the event. Or at least that's what someone in my class in my classes we might have talked about. Yeah. But yeah, everyone's thinking everyone's thinking that there are problems with this university. I've talked to professors, I've talked to students, I've talked to multiple people on campus and we're all thinking the same thing and Like I said, I used to not want to step on anybody's toes and I you know, just wanted to come here and get an education, but it's listening to the faculty's complaints, to student complaints that it's finally enough. Like we need to do something. It's our education and that we should 
we should be in control. Students should be in control. We're the ones who pay the tuition. Without us, what do they have? And we're the ones who are studying. And right. if we don't come anymore, there's going to be no more academic program and no precious football or soccer or any other games. Oy vey. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so who do you think is doing a very good job at least addressing these things? Who do you think is at the forefront of the fight? Um... For, like, bringing these issues yes. to administration? Yes, and also bring awareness. Um, I think the students are in charge of the fight, but I don't think there are enough students currently. Whereas, if we got together in numbers, like, all students, I, every student is concerned about this 18 cap. The theater department, the art department, the science department... All of them, all the students in those departments have to come together and say, we don't want this. Currently, there are only like a few selective students and a few administrators that are voicing their opinions, but I don't think that's enough. Yeah. And one of the arguments I've heard for this new cap was that students were taking more than 21 credits and that this was not a good idea for your academics and for your studies. And that's fine, I unless... You have to do something special. I don't recommend taking 21 credits in a semester. But at the same time, as you've noted, people in science and arts departments need to take more than this to graduate not too late. Yeah. And also to learn a lot and to put this stuff on their resumes and get more experience in whatever very competitive field they're going to, especially theater. And at the same time... I don't think that's a good reason to charge extra simply for taking one too many courses, especially as education is inexcusably expensive today. Yeah, and especially with the problems that Promise has shown, um, students, they tell students, oh, they're on time to graduate. You, they like, don't worry about it. And then towards the end, they tell them, oh, you have to make up all these credits. So now students might have to go above 18 credits to at least graduate on time because of the mistakes that the promise office made. Like my friend was supposed to graduate this May and he and they're not because promise didn't catch that he was missing three credits. So if he would have taken those credits this semester, I mean, I'm not sure what his credit counts, but he if he was already at the cap that now the three extra credits are going to put him over and that he's going to have to pay $1,000 extra when he could have taken those classes this semester or another semester where he was under the 18. So do you think there are more reliable places to go to know how much you need to do besides the Promise Office, in your opinion? Well, the Promise Office is there to help you make your schedule. That is the whole point of that program, to have a guidance counselor to say. Or a success coach, they call it. Yeah, success coach to help you plan your four years. They're not like, they got rid of advisors in specific departments for this program. So yes, you can talk to professors and they're going to give you their opinions of what you should do. But really, students are encouraged to go to this program to plan their four years here at Post. And I mean, head of departments and professors are busy. They don't Sometimes they don't have time to sit down and plan a schedule with you. So that's what these people are here for. And they're the ones that are ruining people's tracks to graduation. Yeah. And one of my sources for a story I was doing on this Promise and Campus Life merger argued that this was, in his words, a damn travesty. 
because before they had a bit of a more divide and conquer when campus life and promise were two separate things. Now it's just promise. It's all mixed into one yeah, thing. Yeah, because people that were once involved in campus life and doing like administrative work are now part of promise and making people's programs where I don't know if they necessarily have experience planning out student schedules and knowing what students need for their particular major. Yeah, and so I, it's a learning experience for them and students at the same time, which I don't think is fair because I go to this person for advice, for guidance, and they're misguiding me all the time. I do like my new success coach because I had Makame Namohoi and then she left to pursue something in Hawaii. Then I got a new success coach, Julie Vasquez. I've had a good time with her and her, and I think she was very helpful. But I do see where you're coming from because at the same time, I think too much centralization can be a problem. Yeah, some of them were amazing. I had Mickey. Unfortunately, she was fired, but I thought she was amazing. She was on top of her stuff. But I've had five success coaches in the last four years, and that's not supposed to be. The point of the program is so that you have one person that you know, you go through this, these four years that helps you and build and like helps build you and sends you off into the real world and prepares you for jobs. And I haven't had I one more than a couple months. Hmm. So I don't think this program's working. And especially yeah. because I go for advice and the and my success coach tells me he doesn't have experience and that he's only a coach. And, and, like, to me, that's unacceptable because I'm supposed to go to him for help, and I can't. And then, of course, you would have to switch to another success coach. Get to familiar with them, and by the time that happens, I'll probably have another one because they'll leave for a better job somewhere else. So <laughs> I don't think it works. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair for students. Yeah, I agree. What do you think of the reduction from 129 credits to 120 credits for undergrad? Do you think that was a good idea? Um, or was that not very helpful in the long run? To me, I don't know if it was very helpful in the long run because, I th like I said, I think education is important, and I've had to take a wide variety of classes in order to meet the credits. So a class that I took a humor and advertising class, a class that I would never take if I didn't have to, but I had to fill a requirement. So I learned about advertising and what it takes to create a commercial. And like, so, and I took several other classes like that. So it, I think it makes your education better. Yeah. And so with the reduction, students aren't forced to take classes that are outside of their major, which I think is bad because now instead of being like well-rounded and having um, uh, like a background with variety, you're kind of just prepped for a one track yeah. degree. I'm an English major myself and I really like that I really like the major I've chosen, but at the same time I have explored a bit outside and I've taken a course in cinema, which is an elective, and a course in music history, and I really liked my time that I spent there. I got to learn various things about early music history that I didn't know much about before, like stuff about the Gregorian chant, the Ars Nova. Ars Nova was a new style that they were having at the time. 
madrigals and various other things. And in the cinema class, I got to see a lot of really good films, including Seven Samurai, La Grande Illusion, The Thirty Nine Steps, Les Samurai, which is a French film about a killer, and more. Yeah, it's and those classes are interesting, and they enhance your education. They don't hurt it, and just. And I've heard a lot of faculty complaining about the 120 credits, that it's not good, that it's not enough. So I don't think it was helpful to limit it, but I think it does reduce the course, like um, the course load on students per semester. So it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a article on the core curriculum, which they're like doing shifts to. Now it would be focused on a more thematic thing. Let me pull it up on the computer. And so the core curriculum, according to my story, a committee of professors have been working this year on reducing the number of credits in the core curriculum from 45 to 32 to 33 credits. Professor John Lutz of the English Department, Jay Deal of the History Department, and Amy Friedman of the Political Science Department co-chaired the thematic core curriculum committee. And this university administration's new core curriculum would be the first year has 13 credits like post 101 the first year seminar writing one writing two quantitative reasoning and then the clusters will offer classes in scientific inquiry in the natural world creativity media and the arts perspectives on world cultures self society and ethics power institutions and structures so it's more of a thematic core curriculum rather than on academic disciplines per se and I don't know how beneficial that is. It may have some benefits, but I... Yeah, I'm very I'm very mixed about it, but it, to me, it didn't affect me because I already have 129 credits. I'm graduating, so it didn't impact me that much. And I came in around fall 2016 before they put in this plan, so I'm still currently on a 129-credit track. And of course, all my time has been cut because I took AP examinations and applied that to the post-credits. Yeah. You just have to watch and make sure that you're taking credits you need rather than have promise assign you classes that you don't typically need or won't need. So what do you think about the student media here at Post? Like the Pioneer, oh. WCWP, etc.? I love them. That's where I get all my information from, the Post Pioneer. I make sure to grab um, a copy of that every week. Yeah, the Pioneer's funding has been a shaky thing, and I remember the Pioneer alumni have actually signed a letter arguing that how President Klein has been handling this issue is wrong. Uh, how, what was that? That Okay, from, pre from this paid-for-by-Pioneer alumni message... We, the undersigned, represent five decades of staff members of the Pioneer, the student newspaper of your LIU Post campus, and we write to you in protest of your administration's current handling of that publication. Recent reports of your staff's heavy-handed oversight of articles in the Pioneer, a gag order on campus staff speaking to student reporters, and a funding cut so severe that it threatens the newspaper's continued operation, cause us to question your integrity as educators and commitment to the journalism students of LIU Post. I did hear about that. Yeah, I think so. And I think the newspaper puts things out there that students aren't aware of, like that $4.8 million tennis club. That's I found out because of that, because of the newspaper. And without that, there would have been, I've never heard anyone from Campus Life saying, 
we made this purchase and this is what it's going to be used for. It's going to be beneficial for students. And I never heard any bulletins about it. It was through that newspaper article that I found out about it. And I'm sure a lot of other students are unsure about it. And I get a lot of information through that and the radio station. I enjoy listening to the radio station. And I think that Pioneer has also been very good with with dealing with the whole issue of the 18 credit plus thing. And I was given advice by one of the professors on campus to stick with the story that we have a good chance of giving some pushback. I think, yeah, if the paper is persistent on it and looks for answers, and I think they would be very productive in... Because students aren't happy about it, and it may be through their articles they can they can encourage students to say, hey, it's time that enough's enough. Yeah, and more, on a, another issue I notice is campus bikes. I sometimes see them, like, laying on the grass. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> a new, yeah, a new initiative was planned around homecoming. Am I right? These yes. campus bikes. That's when they were brought to campus, yeah. Yeah, and the plan was, like, students will, like, take them and borrow them and put them back. But unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. that's not how it worked. Some of them were just, like, leaving it there like that on mm-hmm. the grass. I think some of them have even taken it inside with them. And I've heard also reports of people taking it into dorms and also dismantling these bikes. And Queen Mab in her poem considered it a great socialist experiment gone awry. Yep. I, that's not the exact words I can think of, but that's basically the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think those bikes <clears throat> were a waste of money because the first day... There's no honor system. There's no, like, you don't do anything for a lock. Um, there's no, you don't give a credit card. You don't give your student ID. So, so nothing people, like a city bike system in the city. And I, no. And I believe that's what their intentions were. But in order to rent an umbrella, you have to give your ID card. Like, what made them think that giving students these bikes, they were going to honor, like, the property? I, I don't know what they were thinking. Especially what you have to rent an umbrella, you have to do a first-come, first-serve, depending on how many umbrellas are available there. I rented an umbrella for the first time yesterday because it was raining, mm-hmm. and I, I was able to get it because I came first. So, But that is a problem, especially if we consider how scarce resources could be there. And then you see all these campus bikes being used and abused. and I just the- feel like that money could have been put towards something else like ordering instruments or like I don't know other departments that need money chemistry the chemistry department no longer exists because there wasn't enough funding so it no longer exists but in name or doesn't exist at all um well we no longer offer a uh, BS in chemistry but my major falls under the chemistry department so like there's no chemistry major but the department like, there are multiple classes in the department still, so. That's messed up. Yeah. But I just think, like, and now when I was at the town hall meeting, they were like, well, now we're going to create a system, an honor system. We're going to download an app, and you have to give a credit card. Well, why wasn't this thought of prior to purchasing the We have the been bikes? trying to work with this with the, as student government. We have been trying to get this plan in place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seems that our suggestions were not listened to at first because we just ordered more bikes right yeah and apparently they have every single bike that they ever ordered and i don't really think that because like i said students have picked them up and put them in their cars (laughs) so i'm not 
really sure they have. But, like, when you do programs, like, even when I requested instruments, they were like, well, we have to go through this order, and we have to, like, request it, and then look into different things and find out the funding. Like, what did they just wake up one morning and say, we're going to purchase these bikes? Like, I'm sure a lot of planning went into it, but you didn't think of an honor system to, like, people break into people's cars. If I'm not mistaken, a couple years ago when I was a freshman, we had cameras installed in the parking lots because people were breaking into people's cars. Like, you think this with the past history students have had that they're going to honor these bikes? No. Yeah, and then you and then you have, like, cases of at least some cars coming in and doing cartwheels or donuts on the yeah, field. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's that's not the university's fault. That's just students. Okay, fair point, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I just, I, when I saw the bikes on campus and that they were installing them, I, well, I thought, okay, it was an okay idea. But when I, when they didn't have any locks or any kind of system, I was like, You know, this is a failure from the get-go. Yeah, but now they want to download an app, but they have to see what kind of funding they have, like. It just, and that's like why I'm frustrated is because they apparently have no money. There's no funding, but yet there are these careless or silly purchases that we have. And I just feel like that money could have been better used towards more important things like education. So may I ask what are your political views in general? Do you care to speak about them? No, um, I would say I'm a conservative, although there are some points that, like, I don't go based on, like, my political views. I would, you know, go based off of facts. But, yeah, I would say I'm a conservative. So you mentioned that when you wanted to go into a job in forensic science, you might have wanted to go to firearms Mm -hmm. and that stuff. What do you feel about firearms and their role in the United States society? Um... You know, it's unfortunate that they're being misused, but I'm taking um, a First Amendment class, and I've learned how important the Constitution is through that class. And I just, I recognize the Second Amendment. I understand why it's there, and I think it is important for us to bear arms. And I've seen, I've seen, um, like, both sides, but I've seen, like, cartoons of, if we get rid of the Second Amendment, the bad guys are still going to have weapons. Like people and a, are and still a government gonna... gone wrong will have weapons. That's even more important and more dangerous, in my humble opinion. Right. So I don't think getting rid of the Second Amendment or, you know, not allowing people to have firearms, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, my own personal perspective is I essentially favor an absolute right to own whatever firearms you want, and I... And that would include, like, fully automatic weapons. You have a right to own it as long as you don't use it against another person yeah. in aggression. I think you should have the right to own a fully automatic weapon or a so-called assault weapon, which is a semi-automatic rifle mm-hmm. that looks like a war tool. I think there have to be better ways about giving licenses and issuing weapons. Like that, I think that has to be worked on and fixed. I don't think it's a problem for people owning it. I think it's just... You know, I'm not sure if they're as careful or strict about people owning what, like, to get a license and to get a, like, to buy a gun. So I generally favor that no regulation, no involvement in the issue of guns on the part of government, that they should completely stay out of this. But I want to bring another point 
on the one hand, they're like very strict to the point that it would be very difficult for a regular person to own a gun for legitimate purposes or mm-hmm. just to own it. Whereas you have, in some cases, the government itself neglects certain warning signs, especially with this Parkland shooter. I think they neglected certain tips that they were given to them. Yeah, I think that's an issue. You know, I've heard news reports that say, you know, he's been reported and, you know, his social media accounts kind of led up to it. And that's in a lot of cases. And I think in one case, he actually did pull a gun on one of the students. This is before he shot up everybody. Yeah, so I think it's, I think it's the government that's kind of lacking. Like, so I forget what case it was, but the FBI even had their eye on on um, a shooter and it was too late when they did anything about it. It might have been that case too, but yeah. there was a case where the FBI was even looking into them when had like their eye and were watching, they were supposedly watching carefully and they didn't do anything. And I also think in some cases the government has mishandled things like in 1990s when they were dealing with the Waco situation and they did a siege on Mont Carmel and that ended up in a lot of innocent children and women dying. And that was horrible. And I think the way they handled it was very wrong. And say what you will about Koresh, she was an awful, terrible, very apocalyptic madman. But there are better ways they could have dealt with it. They could have arrested him at one of his stops if they really suspected he Mm -hmm. was going to do anything wrong. Rather than trying to act like superheroes or boys with toys and then blowing everything up. Yeah. It's unfortunate what happened, but yeah. I don't think the bad guys are still going to have weapons. They're still going to have guns. So I think it's important for people to be armed. Yeah. But properly, like with the license and with permits and so forth. Hmm. So what do you think about the Parkland students' protests? I generally don't favor them, albeit I think they have a right to protest. And young people have changed history and many times the better. But at the same time, I don't happen to agree with what they're protesting for, which is more gun control. Yeah. You know, good for them. You know, they're practicing their First Amendment right. But I I also would encourage them to listen to the opposing side and to go to their history class. Instead of walking out, I would encourage them to go to their history class, learn why the Second Amendment was put there, and possibly base their argument from there. Yeah. I've actually heard in... In some cases, I've heard parts of the media arguing that the Second Amendment had its origins in racism and trying to put down black revolts and a bunch of other things. Yet at the same time, there's this other side of the history where I think gun control is instituted by terrible governments. And I think Hitler used gun control against Jews. I don't know if he used it against Germans, but I think he did use it against Jews. I'm certain, I think even Venezuela has now banned private firearms ownership and look where they are. Yeah, as far as I know, I understand that, like, the First Amendment was put in by Thomas Jefferson and by James Madison so that the so that the government couldn't gain control, that it would give citizens the power. And the right to speak. Right. So I would, defini- I would definitely encourage them to understand why we have guns, why we have gun laws. And then make their argument from there. And I'm, I know it's easier said than done because I've never been in a situation that they've been in. But it's definitely difficult because these are why those rights were put there. 
and they suddenly think they're just going to disappear. Yeah, I do find Dave and Hogg pretty insufferable, to be honest with you. I'll just leave it at there for now. He's one of the main kids behind the movement. Yeah, but I mean, good for them for exercising their rights, you know? I mean, you, that, you don't see that on this campus. So, yeah. at least they're trying. Fair point. Even if we completely disagree with what they're fighting for, at least they're doing something. Yeah, I mean, so it seems nothing changes if you don't, if you don't put your complaints and put your opinions and your ideas out there. That's why nothing's getting done at this school. So good for them for, you know, exercising that right. But I would definitely encourage them to learn about the Constitution and its importance. I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I valued your thoughts and insights and your coverage of the whole concerns that people have at post and I want to really thank you for taking a stand and speaking out. Thank you. I just I really want to see post be the best it can be and right now I don't feel that it is. So hopefully students, you know, like the Parkland students start protesting and coming together to get what we want. God be with you. Until next time, this has been The Letter of Liberty, a podcast about literature, liberty, politics, news, and potentially all that is under the sun. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.